0: This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. Not every guest takes me up on the opportunity, but I like to do a segment called The Mic Swap, where I make my guest into the host, and then I become the guest. I let them take the conversation wherever they want to take it, ask me whatever they want, and uh, it's a lot of fun, I think. This is Mic Swap.
1: Hello, I'm Joe Sanok. I'm the author of Thursday is the new Friday. And today I am the host of shareable. I have Jeff with me, Jeff Gibbard. Did I say that's that right? Correct. Yep. That's I correct. thought so. I practiced in my head a lot, but you never know. So Jeff, how are you doing today, man? Good, man. Thanks for having
0: me on shareable. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Well, let's just start with, uh, why do you care about making the world better?
0: Dude, that's a really profoundly simple, but Deep question, I guess, because um, one, I want my life to have meaning. And for my life to have meaning, I think I have to affect change. And I'm not going to affect change to make things worse. I want to affect change to make things better. And I think there's an abundance of problems in the world. And I think uh, if you have the capacity to make a change, if you have a position of privilege or power to be able to make things better for other people, then I think it's your responsibility to do that. And I don't know if that's just you know, Peter Parker, Spider-Man sort of thing coming out of my mouth. But, um, I guess I've just always wanted to be a superhero since I was a kid. And I saw superheroes as the type of people that went out to make the world a better and safer place.
1: And was that something that it's always kind of been there? Like not just the superhero side, but the wanting to help the world or were were there moments in adulthood that it kind of came to life more for you?
0: Um, Dude, it's really interesting that you have a background as a therapist because these are like actually very deep probing questions uh, in a very uh, simple wrapper, which I really appreciate because no one's ever asked me it quite like you're asking it. I think there must have been something when I was a kid about feeling like seeing something devastating or horrible. And I thought, I wish that wouldn't happen. Right. Or experiencing something myself where I felt left out, or I felt unsafe, or I felt anything that was like traumatic and, you know, in my childhood that made me want people to not have to go through that. And I think the, the natural inclination of people to kind of like gravitate towards positive, pleasurable experiences and away from negative or painful experiences, um, I think that's probably somewhere underlying as a driving force, but yeah, it's always been there since, I mean, I, I was into Superman when I was a kid and I liked laughing and giggling and I was just like a really sweet kid. And I think it's just extended from that point. I feel like I've always been this person that just wants to make a world where everybody is nice to one another.
1: Mm -hmm. Did you ever find, I know I felt this way too, because as you describe yourself, just being nice and enjoyable, Uh, like I went to kind of a Friday night lights, Catholic football school. Like I didn't fit in at all. Like I was into snowboarding and skateboarding and, you know, alternative music, but I was still a good person. Um, did you find that that kind of natural compassion for the world made it harder for you kind of in your your, like school years or college years where you didn't fit with like the
0: typical like jock guy? Yeah. I mean, I really liked sports throughout. My teen years. And I think, you know, I very much wanted to be that type of person, probably because I really wanted the acceptance and accolades that came along with it. And um, there, there was definitely something there. I grew up as an only child. So attention was always like a big thing for me. But I do think that I was always very perplexed by people who didn't want to be kind to others. Like, just as a default, like we're all mean to people. So, like, I'm a jerk sometimes. I get like very road ragey in the car sometimes. But um, like we all have our moments, but I think my default is like, I just want people to be nice to one another. I want to be nice to other people. Um, you know, in general, it takes a lot to make my enemies list, but when you do like, you're definitely on there. And I think that what I always got confused by were people who were just mean. And, and now I understand it later in life as like people who've gone through their particular traumas or have their own securities or any of those things, but like, I didn't understand that. I just didn't get it. So I I definitely found that it it didn't make it hard for me to fit in. Cause I think I read people really well throughout most of my life. I was, I was very good at reading people. Um, but I didn't really understand why everyone didn't just want to be nice to each other. Like why would people make fun of each other? And I just didn't get that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know you mentioned, um, when you had me on your show, um, you mentioned that you're in therapy and, um, I frequently have been in therapy and have a therapist. I see Um, for you, what is therapy done for you that you wouldn't have been able to do without kind of entering into therapy? You had mentioned kind of couples therapy and individual, um, like what from that are you willing to disclose that has helped you just change your mindset in different areas?
0: Yeah. I, I think therapy is one of the most beneficial things that any human being can do. Honestly, like if we, if we think about how we think about our physical health, if we thought about our mental health in that way, I think everybody would have a therapist and we'd be a much healthier society. Um, for me, the big thing that therapy has allowed me to do is to, one, um, uncover past traumas that are causing me to behave in ways that I think are in misalignment with who I want to be in the world. And I think without examining that stuff, without actually digging in and trying to figure out where does that come from? is that true? That thing that I believe like the little gremlins that talk to you in your head and, and make you believe things about yourself. Like, is that necessarily true? Are these things you want to work on? So I think it gives you a greater awareness of like, what's going on inside of you in a way that I don't think you can do otherwise. And I trust me, I tried for a very long time in my life. Uh, I only started going to therapy about two and a half years ago, uh, three years ago, something like that. And I, for a very long time, like I was fine. I would muscle it up because my thing is I will put, The weight of the world on my shoulders, and I will carry it up that mountain by myself. And I will not even—I won't. If I even if I break a sweat, I won't tell you about it. I won't show any vulnerability or weakness. Um, And I've actually learned to get in touch with like, what is the trauma that caused that in my life? And like, better getting in touch with that allows me to realize that you don't have to be that way, and you don't have to keep putting those sorts of um, uh, stressors and concerns on yourself that you could actually just let go of. So, I think it's given me a greater appreciation for. Um the expectation that we have to be always strong and always perfect, and always this and always that, and whatever expectations either we or society have put on us, it gives you some distance to be able to examine that stuff and let yourself be an imperfect human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's gotten me in touch with a lot of things that I think are my natural inclinations that sometimes are beneficial to me. like uh, you know, when you were on my show, we talked about the whole being chased by a rhino thing and you sprinting to get away. Like that was you in stress turning to something you're good at. And I have plenty of times where I do that, but it's also given me the chance to slow down and look at, well, how could I better appreciate some of these things? How can I show some vulnerability as a way to create greater connection? So there's a lot that I got out of therapy that, that I couldn't have gotten anywhere else. And then as far as couples therapy goes, you know, I'm a proponent of every couple going to therapy. Like I think couples therapy and and actually all therapy for that matter has a little bit of a negative slant to it. Like, Oh, there's something wrong. Like you have some sort of a problem. My wife and I have like an incredible, incredible, incredible marriage. It's freaking fantastic. But we, you know, we see a couple's therapist. So we have a safe place to be able to talk about stuff, to work through things where we do have differences or to work through things where there's something uncomfortable. I just think that's healthy for everybody.
1: Mm. So Jeff, how have you shifted? Like, what's a couple of areas that maybe you have changed your point of view in the last, say five years or so, like where, how are you different than you were five years ago? not just in therapy, but just in life or spiritual beliefs or way you, ways you view the world or whatever?
0: I think I've become hungrier for making a difference. Um, I always was, but I think I, I'm more equipped with the tools to do it. And the um, I guess the perseverance to keep pushing through and staying committed to making a difference. So that's one big thing. Uh, I, one area where I would say is um, extremely uncomfortable, but profoundly important is the willingness to be wrong the willingness to have absolutely royally screwed things up um, and the realization that you can't always fix that, but that sometimes you have to kind of leave that open wound for, for lack of a better term, like you just have to accept that you're imperfect. And that was a, that was a really, really, really tough one for me because I strive so hard in every area that I'm interested in to be, you know, incredible or the best at something I work really, you know, I, I push myself tirelessly to continually learn and grow. And I think the willingness to say like, oh, wow, yeah, I screwed that stuff up in the past and kind of confront and work through a lot of the, either the shame or the guilt that that is associated with that, instead of burying it down and pretending it's not there and letting it kind of like poison over time that I'd say, those are probably some of the big, big ones is the commitment to, to making a difference and the willingness to have been wrong and not need to fix it and, you know, wash over it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know that for me, uh, especially over the last six months, like Taoism and the teachings of just like going with the flow and allowing yeah. life to unfold um, has been so powerful for me. I'm in the midst of a divorce right now that's gotten messier and was more unexpected than than I thought. Like I did not expect to be getting divorced, but um, just that idea of allowing myself to experience pain, to experience, you know, being a single dad, the primary custodian of my kids, all these things that are so outside of what i thought uh and have Taoism be just like kind of a guide that says life is unfolding in front of you and there's so many things you have absolutely no control over um, Dude, and to I say, like, wow yeah, yeah i mean I- it's one of those things where it's just like it exploded so big at first it was like oh I'm all down on myself but then i'm just like if it hadn't exploded how it did it actually would have been harder because i would have asked myself what should i have done what could have i but I can walk away. And so that idea of kind of allowing things to unfold is just something I've resonated with so much over the last six months in particular,
0: man, listen, I, I, one, if you want to ever chat offline about all this stuff, totally happy to. So this is my second marriage that I'm in right now. First marriage mm-hmm. was an unexpected divorce as well. Uh, I have never cried so hard as when I moved into my new apartment and there was no mm-hmm. furniture and like all that sort of stuff. And, and there's still plenty of leftover trauma from that happening. Um, but I will say it, in in hindsight, I'm happy to say that it was one of the best things that has ever happened to me. Um, and I, I often ask people about questions about like what's something awful that happened to you that you you know are glad happened to you. And my answer would unequivocally be you know getting divorced. Um, if I could go back a million times, I'd marry my first wife a million times, and I would get divorced a million times because it led me right where I am. But um, thank you for sharing that uh, on your show. Yeah. I appreciate that vulnerability on that. But you know, I would say. Um, if you're ever feeling down about it, hopefully you can keep your head up to know that it, it absolutely can get better. A lot of that crap will stick around with you and it's going to suck, but, um, you develop, how did you make sure that,
1: how did you make sure that you didn't pull too much baggage into your new relationships or new marriage? Uh, Like, what did you do to keep that baggage? out as much oh, as you can. Man. Obviously, like there's going to be baggage that comes in yeah. and it's going to show up in here and to be like, dang, I thought I worked through that and I didn't. And like, I, I don't think that you're going to just get rid of the baggage, but how did you minimize the amount of baggage you pulled into your second marriage?
0: So I guess, interestingly enough, um, you know, talking to someone who's a therapist for a while, um, I would say it's not about minimizing the baggage. It's about being honest about what baggage you're coming with. Like my mm. wife and I have very open conversations about what is the what are our triggers? Like, what are the things that are gonna bring us back to something that we've experienced in the past that we know, like rationally. I talk about my therapist all the time about this. Like, I know rationally that this is not a thing. Like, it's not a thing that's gonna bother my wife. I know it because I know her. And I know, like, we've talked about it. But like, I know the voice is still in my head telling me, oh, this, that, and the other thing. So I guess the, the main thing is about sharing it, being open about like, Hey, this is a this is a thing that terrifies me. It terrifies me all the time, even though I know that there's no reason for it, right? So in terms of minimizing it, I, I will say the only thing is you have to be really clear about what, and, and I will say this. Um, sorry, I'm jumping around a lot, but I will say that out of a first marriage, going into a second marriage, um, I don't know if it's your first going to second, but I will say coming out of a marriage and going into your next one, um, you learn a lot about what to make a big deal out of. Like you learn a lot about what is worth having a conversation over or battling over or whatever. And that's something big that I learned. And I think as, as it relates to baggage, I think it's the same thing. I've learned what's important enough to be baggage versus what's something that I can leave behind. And the things that are worth bringing in, those are things that are worth communicating and saying, Hey, this is what's, this is what's in my baggage. And I just need you to be thoughtful and sensitive about it. And the right partner is going to go, yeah, dope. By the way, here's my baggage. And you have to be like, Oh, okay. Got it. That's your baggage everybody's bags are out in the open now. So I guess we're cool.
1: Oh man. Thanks for sharing all that. Um, so tell me a crazy story from your life. Crazy story from my life. Define crazy. Anything that's just entertaining, weird, made you look like a fool. Uh, didn't make you look like a fool. Just something, something interesting or unique that's happened in your life.
0: Oh man. Um, there's so many interesting and unique things I've happened in my life. I'm just wondering, like, what's a good story, to be honest? I used to have a story bank that was like, but they were all very specific about like, um, oh, this is like a really good story for a leadership moment. Um, yeah, man, I don't have a good answer for that, to be honest. All my stories that I can like readily think of offhand are, especially since we were just talking about it, are like about my divorce or about like, oh, got one for you. Here we go. It's okay. a nice and interesting Bring one. it. I don't, if, I don't know if I've ever told this one on, uh, on a thing, but um, so when my wife and I decided to get married, um, you know, when we got engaged and everything, I told her, I would like to have a private ceremony, just the two, you and me, nobody else there, because I think it's very important that we like share our vows privately. But then after that, we can do whatever kind of a wedding that you ever dreamed of or ever thought of whatever, like we can come together and figure out what that works. She was like, cool. So we got married privately on uh, December 23rd, 2017.
1: The day after my birthday, you're, you're celebrating
0: the day after my birthday. That's exactly why we chose that day. We were going to do the day before, but we were like, that's Joe's birthday. Yeah. Um, Yeah, of course. (laughs) So, so the, the fun part, and I still have to put this video online, but so after we were officially married, we basically could get married by anyone. We could, because we, we're no longer needed like a justice of the peace or this or that. So we said, okay, well, since we can do whatever we want, let's make this wedding just a big party. Let's do everything that we want. And this is, I would encourage anybody who's getting married to do exactly what we did, but in your own way, get married privately. And then for your wedding that you invite everyone to, where you, know, you don't wanna share your vows in front of everyone because there's some private stuff there you gotta share, do whatever you want for the wedding. So here's what we did. I wrote the entire ceremony, the entire ceremony, it's filled with pop culture references, and uh, it began with my best man coming into the uh, orchestral of Cinderella, going up to the front, blowing into a shofar because I wanted to find a, a conch shell, but he couldn't blow into a conch shell. Blew through a shofar and then unfurled a scroll and like did like a, a proclamation sort of uh, like like you would announce a king here ye here ye sort of thing, and our officiant. Was uh, a colleague of my wife's Who dressed up in an inflatable unicorn costume And (laughs) we got married by a unicorn With a ceremony where my vows to her were a rickroll And hers to me were a country song Don't know how you do that thing that you do Uh, It was a complete mockery of the entire thing While also being completely serious Totally romantic and sweet But being like totally goofy as hell And entirely our own thing Uh, and it was amazing. And then we did an hour and a half cocktail hour because that's the coolest crap ever. We did a viral, uh, wedding dance where we have 22,000 views on YouTube right now for our wedding dance. Um, and yeah, so we did whatever we wanted basically. And I would encourage anybody there: if you're going to get married, do whatever the hell you want. I got a buddy that's getting married right now. And I can tell that he's feeling the pressure to basically do whatever the parents want and whatever, like there's so many people with competing wants and needs And I I get the sense that he's like, not necessarily he and his wife are are not necessarily doing everything is that they want, and I'm encouraging them to do so. So I would encourage everyone out there, do your own thing when you get married.
1: Oh, so, so awesome. Well, Jeff has been sharing, sharing, sharing. He has also pushed you to be able in so many different ways, because this is the podcast where it's shareable.
0: Wait Don't leave. If you've never listened to my fancy outro, do it just once for me, please. Okay. If you enjoy shareable and you find it valuable, there's a few ways that you can support the show. One, you can share it on social media, which I strongly encourage. I mean, it's literally the name of the show. Shareable. Two, you can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're an Overcast user, as many of my listeners are, make sure to click that star button on the episodes that you like. The third way that you can support the show is by blogging about it or discussing it on your own podcast or even by making a YouTube video where you talk about one of the episodes. And then the final way that you can support the show is by supporting it directly on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Now before I let you go, I want to tell you about one other thing. You see, Shareable is just one of many projects that I'm working on at any given time. I've got another podcast called Rogue. I do a live streaming show every week called The Heroic Council. I've got a blog where I release a blog post twice a week. And if you're looking to keep up with all sorts of different content that can help you grow and become a superhero in life, I want you to check out jeffgibber.me. That's where I list all of my current projects and projects that are coming up in the future, including my forthcoming book, The of Leader. It would mean a lot to me if you could go and check out some of the other things I've worked on because I put just as much of my heart into those projects as I do into Shareable. Thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you for being a supporter. And I hope to see you here on the next episode of Shareable.